I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your week? My week is weeky. It's weeky. Yes. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Exactly. For Sammy. For me. That's <laughs> what it is. How's your week? Good. It's a little uh, like work a day here, do other training here, work another day, have the day off. It's like weird. That's good. Schedule. I'm but... envious. Yeah. Well, do you have anything that you need to update people on? No. Sick. I don't think so. I think I'm good. I don't think so either. I say we just dive on in. Yeah. I think you're first, yeah. I am first. Let's uh, go. It's a spooky week. It is a spooky week, and I actually followed through with the assignment this time. <laughs> like, legitimately spooky haunted. Legitimately spooky, not some weird history shit that I get fascinated with. So, I'm actually talking about a whole, like, town that's haunted. Ooh. Yes. And it is in Picton, New South Wales, Australia. Wow. I know. So, I didn't think when I was doing my notes that anything was going to be problematic with my pronunciation so fingers crossed if you know how to pronounce things correctly and you're australian please correct me but <laughs> if i'm wrong in other news um so picton was originally named stone quarry and it was founded in 1821 but then they changed the name to picton in 1845 so a short-lived time for a different name but it is a very famous haunted town in australia it is in fact you most of my sources basically were like this is the most haunted town in australia uh it's about an hour drive from sydney so if you're in the area it's pretty close you can go visit so it's just a lot of small tidbits about different locations i couldn't really get any like deep specific stuff so sorry if it's a little jarring but first we're going to talk about the red bank range railway tunnel which if you ask the locals there they might refer to it as the mushroom tunnel so just be aware of that mm. i'm sure that if they live in the area they know both names that it's called by but they will hopefully typically typically according to my research call it the mushroom tunnel um which has a very huge history surprisingly for being a tunnel it is 592 feet in length and it is carved into the hills of the picton region um it was used as a railway from 1867 to 1919 um the tunnel served as a basically a throughway of train obviously from Melbourne uh, to Melbourne from Melbourne. That was just like a good little area for it. Uh, and it was before, not before, um, after it was decommissioned in 1919, it was used for various reasons. One of the most popular reasons is to store mustard gas tanks and ammunition during World War II. Very interesting. And then this is where it gets its local termed coin termed coin <laughs> coined a term from uh it used to be a, in the area of a mushroom farm so that's why it's called mushroom tunnel so someone has a toy and it sounds like they're choking but i know they're not um so in 1916 so before it decommissioned um, a woman named emily was walking through the tunnel late at night and she ended up being hit by a train and Oof. obviously died. It's not confirmed whether or not she did that intentionally or if it was an accident. Right. Regardless, I don't think that more often or not, I don't like to walk on the railroad tracks at night, but that's just me. Um, yeah, so, no, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, bad idea. 
But they have lights. I don't know. Anyways, um, her apparition is claimed to be seen in the area and in the tunnel. So over the years, local residents and even tourists have reported seeing a white flowing figure of a woman. But the catch is she has no face. Oh. Little creepy. Um, there has also been reports of lights floating above people's heads, sudden drops in temperature and like black shadows that linger in the darkness and also uh, apparitions of children. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so Emily is one of the most popular stories among locals. And even through the years, it's been known as a place for people to either intentionally or unintentionally also jump in front of trains and kill themselves. When it was a railway, so in right. that short stint of time, it yeah. was a very popular, apparently, suicide area. So, um, rumors uh, also of ghosts, uh, not just Emily and what I've previously mentioned, but there's another rumor of a ghost girl who, apparently, when she was living, was assaulted and murdered, but she's very rarely seen, and then a ghost of another girl who hanged herself at the entrance of the tunnel. There's a lot going on. Yes. Yes, it is. So, that, if you Google most haunted places in Australia, like I did, um, this is one of the top places. This tunnel is huge, so it's obviously very, very, very haunted. And then um, on cultnation.com, it's cult with a V instead of a U. Um, the author, Megan McRae, published an article in 2016 about the tunnel. And she claims, quote, once, I'm sorry, one story once told to me by a friend details a ghost train that haunts the tunnel. So not even a living person. A train is haunting the tunnel as well. Wow. Um, her friend told him, I'm sorry. Her friend told her, the author, that his non-believing uncles toured one of the now-defunct tours of Picton, the ghost tours, and when they reached the tunnel, he suddenly noticed a light in the distance, and then the sound of a steam train overwhelmed the tunnel. He said everyone, including the tour guide, screamed, get up against the walls. Remember, this by this time, obviously, the train railway has been decommissioned for 50 years, so... The author's friend claims that he felt the wind on his face as he closed his eyes and the train passed, but there inevitably was no train. Wow. Isn't that scary? Yeah. I'd be terrified. Yeah. Um, but it's like a 500-foot tunnel. What are you going to do? Outrun a train? Mm -hmm. a, even a ghost train? Um, so let's go to the old maternity hospital now in town. Um, apparently, there's a matron who is very very angry and kind of hostile um this hospital is on the corner of uh downing and argyle streets if you guys are curious that's the only one that i think i had a location for probably because it's no longer labeled as a hospital because it says old <laughs> uh old maid maternity hospital Anyways, this matron apparently had a hankering for killing patients by choking them, but I couldn't find anything, like, factual. That's just kind of like the urban legend. Right. Um, the residents have reported hearing the sound of crying babies, which makes sense, given it was a maternity hospital. And they also report being woken up in the middle of the night by invisible hands wrapped around their throats, which may or may not be that woman. So... Also, if you do visit that what residence, since I gave you the corner of where it's located, apparently it's now a private uh, residence. So 
don't just like start going into people's homes. Yeah. Um, the next one is the Queen Victoria Hospital, which is another old building. Uh, people that go here hear buzzers that are still going off, even though they have been disconnected. And a nurse who worked in the building say, said that um, children crying, they could hear children crying and singing. They also saw shadowy figures, would hear footsteps, but nobody was there. And they had like like sick feelings um depending on where they were in the hospital so i'm wondering like if they felt other people's ailments or if they just felt weird um so that one's interesting and then this one i might mispronounce i forgot about this the wallandilly shire hall um apparently is said to be haunted by three ghosts a little boy who is very mischievous and then a man who has a beard and he wears very fancy clothes like a top hat and a suit and then there's also a small girl who's not really heard or i'm sorry who's not really seen but she's heard of a lot so they don't have really a description on her besides her voice which might be a demon (laughs) um so then there's the razorback inn the inn is uh, apparently a very notorious place for a very noisy ghost but that's like as far as the extent of stories that i had is that there's just a very noisy ghost i don't know how it's noisy maybe it's screaming maybe it's throwing i don't know why don't you go check it out and then let me know um then there's the wendover house that was built in 1880 by john wright mcquinnett oh my gosh i fucked that up mcquinnett i can't do (laughs) mcquiggan uh, I, he is a former resident that claims to have been visited several times by the ghost of the McQuiggan, um, whom he recognized through a photograph. Uh, let me re-say the whole thing. I fucked that up. <laughs> um, so built in 1880 by John Wright McQuiggan, who, um, there was a former resident there that claims that they had been visited several times by the ghost of John and recognized John from an old photograph from the time. So that's spooky to like see a ghost and then look at a photo and be like, holy shit, that's the ghost that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's the Emmett Cottages. Uh, there's a ghost of a woman that's in the seen often in the window of the building, obviously from the outside. And then the shop owners in the area uh, find that their d- displays have been moved overnight. So they'll like set some shit up and then it's moved around. So that's spooky. Yikes. Um, so then next we're going to the Imperial Hotel where the jukebox, uh, starts playing when it's unplugged and staff often report feeling like they're being followed. Hmm. That's spooky. So the haunting doesn't just go to the buildings of the house. It extends to the whole like land. Obviously we've got the tunnel, but let me tell you about another area. Um, the Stone Quarry Creek is a very popular space and people apparently um have drowned in the creek over the years and visitors have reported hearing ghostly sounds of people swimming and splashing around and in the water so like basically they'll hear this go check it out and there's nobody there maybe they died who knows um i'm just kidding i'm sorry so some of these splashing noises are so loud that people that are staying in the Imperial Hotel that we just talked about can hear these splashes at night. Right. So that's 
That's super spooky. Yeah. Um, so then let's also go to another outdoorsy area called the St. Mark's Cemetery, which is a cemetery in Picton. Uh, there's a little girl apparently back in 1886 who died. Her name is Blanche Moon. She was 11 years old and she's claimed to haunt the cemetery. She was the daughter of Henry and Fanny Moon. <laughs> Fanny Moon. I'm sorry. Her name just literally means butt butt. You know when you moon somebody? <laughs> okay. I didn't catch that. I'm done. Um, her father was thought to have been the timber worker who would have helped make the railway sleepers, but those sleepers were exactly what Blanche fell off of while she was playing with other children, and that fall led to her death. Um, then January of 2010, a family was visiting the cemetery and took a photo and saw a what they believe were two children in 1800s attire, like, walking around the graves. Um, It's believed to not only be Blanche, but also another child named David Shaw. And they ended up, those two kiddos died 60 years apart. So, yeah, interesting. So, David grew up, obviously, 60 Mm -hmm. years. Uh, But he is believed to be the son of a minister who died in 1946 from polio the family that took the photo claimed that there were no children in the cemetery at the time the photo was taken and the two figures were only noticed once they got home and like uploaded it to the computer right um right so here's some other weird stuff according to the daily telegraph uh the famous picton ghost tours um, they did tours but they were forced to close down in 2011 after quote a local council crackdown that sounds very ominous but we'll talk about it a little bit more so these tours were conducted by a husband and wife they like own the business their names are john and liz vincent they'd been running it for over a decade and at the height of their success the tours are bringing up like 200 people to picton every week that's Quite a lot of people for such a small town, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, however, Liz sadly passed away in 2009, and John attempted to keep the business going on his own. However, this council crackdown that we were talking about was basically uh, the Wollandilly Council fighting with John about de- developmental approval issues. What are those issues, you may ask? <laughs> um, well, apparently the residents of the area were pissed off because the tours were going on at night well yeah (laughs) well what do you expect yeah um so i think that it was just kind of annoying that they were like setting all these parameters for him that he had to do it during the day xyz who i don't know the exact parameters but basically at the end of it john was like i can't do it like you're wanting me to do a ghost tour like during the day and not going to like these specific locations because residents are pissed off when I'm bringing in like economy to the town. I'm bringing in people that are going to stay at the hotel, like whatever. So he shut down the business and now there's not like a ghost tour there that I could find on my research. But um, if you want to go there, check it out. Just don't piss off the residents. Apparently that's all I have. That's awesome. Yeah. Little itty bitty stories. Like how does the entire town become so haunted? I don't know. I think the tunnel had a lot to do with it with all the deaths that happened there. And yeah. it's it's very interesting that, like, every single building seemed to have, like, something going on. Yeah. So, Dang. I don't know. Some kind of great history that I couldn't find. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I've heard a lot of, like, pretty crazy hauntings uh, just happen to be in, not Arizona, Jesus, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I've, hmm. I've heard a few good stories, so... Cool. Interesting. 
Very interesting. Um, before I start, um, I got my info from the great Wikipedia from historygoesbump.com uh, from the Dumas Brothel website. So I'm talking about a brothel. Yes, delicious. <clears throat> um, before you get started, can I cite my sources real quick? I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Uh, basically, I have the that cultsnation.com uh, with that blog. Yeah. And then there's like the culturetrip.com, the whatif.com, but it's W-O-T-I-F. It's funky spelling. There's what the if. 6T. What if. Dot, yeah, literally. Dot com. This is horror.uk, uh, Daily Telegraph, and mamamia.com. Nice. Yes. Um, I also had uh, NBCMontana.com. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're good. SouthwestMT.com, which is SouthwestMontana.com, and RoadsideAmerica.com. So, are you ready to hear about the Damas brothel? No. Okay. Well, I guess we're done. Yep. Bye. Okay, now I'm ready. Great. So, uh, we're going back to Butte, Montana, which was first and foremost a mining town, which a lot of these towns on, you know, the western half of the U.S. were, because that's why everybody moved. Right? Yeah, gold rush and shit. Yep. Town came to be known as the richest hill on earth, and they mined gold, silver, and copper uh, there, which is pretty badass. Like, three very, uh, very important precious metals. metals were definitely extensively mined here. Uh as happens with and happened uh, with a lot of mining towns, a uh, successful red light district also grew within the town because yes. you have a bunch of dudes. Yes. Um, one of the most successful and high-class brothels in town was the Dumas brothel. Uh, there was a lot of rich guys who would come and contribute to, uh, like, I really struggled with, like, the vocabulary to use for this entire thing. So, um... Rich guys would come there, but also, like, working class, like, miners would come there, and the miners would go down to the basement, the rich guys would stay up in, like, the parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, the brothel passed through many hands and has had the reputation of being the longest-running brothel in the entire U.S. That's cool. Yep. The fact that Butte was rich in mining material brought a lot of immigrants to the area as well. There were Irish, Italian, Eastern Europeans, and Chinese immigrants who came there, and they were all separated into their own, like, areas of the town, mm-hmm. and all happened to have their own gang activity. Oh, good. Uh, there was also, like, a straight-up Chinatown there. So think about Chinatown in Butte, Montana. I don't think that's going to go very well. It seems weird, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a place that's very culturally diverse and or accepting. What definitely didn't help with that was the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was passed in 1882 and halted Chinese immigration entirely. Uh, Are you kidding me? No. It was a federal law that was signed by President Chester Arthur and was the most restrictive bill on immigration that had ever passed in the U.S. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. For what? Like, why? It was the very first law that prevented a specific ethnic group from entering the United States. If that doesn't scream racism. Oh, it's nothing but racism. Are you kidding me? Like, what were they doing? They were bringing delicious food and, like, cultural awareness. Uh, Like, are you kidding me? That's so frustrating. Yep. Women would see mining towns as good opportunities to make money. Not only, (laughs) you know, in not only in the red light district, but also, like... Oh, like people would hire okay. them as housekeepers and oh, cooks right. and then uh, the sex industry. So uh, there were pimps and 
They're girls who would follow the miners to Butte from all corners of the world. So they were, uh, what are they called, roadies? Kind of, yeah. They're minor roadies. Ugh, sounds weird. <laughs> oh no, that <laughs> no, sounds yeah, now that, that sounds very out, inappropriate. We don't mean it like that. For miners with an ER. Yes. Uh, more sensitive to the rights of working people than the people who exploited them, the local police were especially hard on the pimps and would good. often run them out of town when they were identified, which, yeah, that's good, I think. Um, a group of women called the Ladies of the Line began selling sexual services on Park Street, which was located in the north part of the city. Uh, they put up tents and shacks and lined the street and were solely for sex work. In a tent? That's how it started. It got better. Oh, good. After uh, they got some money, they're like, I'll get a double tent. Yep. They ended up being replaced with legitimate businesses over the next, like, 20 or so years. Um, and ended up moving over to, like, the south side, so they went from the north to the south side of the city. Uh, by 1888, Butte's East Galena Street, I think it's Galena, uh, was lined with brothels. Almost every building on the street was for sex work. That area was known as the Twilight Zone. Sex workers operated from rooms or spaces that they called cribs, and they were, each crib was equipped with call boxes for ordering drinks or food from nearby bars and restaurants. That's cool. Not bad, right? No, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Evidence of these cribs can be seen in the narrow doorways of the buildings that line the street today. That's um, super cool. And that, yeah, that's not just this specific brothel. Um, the largest was... Uh, the Casino Theater, which was a mix of, like, a saloon and a dance hall and also a brothel. Uh, this casino employed a hundred girls. That's a lot. Dang. That is a lot. In the late 19th century, several prominent Montanans owned different brothels in Butte. Two of those men were uh, Lee Mantle, who le later became a senator, and oh. Anton H. Holter, who was a wealthy businessman from Helena, Montana. So... Yeah, that, that doesn't speaks say volumes. Yeah, French Canadian broth uh, brothels. Sorry, French Canadian brothers Joseph and Arthur Nado or Nido uh, would eventually acquire the most property in Butte's prostitution areas or red light district. I hate saying prostitution. I tried to replace every single instance of that word with sex work, but I missed that one. I think it's. I hate that word. I hate it too because I think it has negative connotations when there really shouldn't be. I think yeah. we should just let people do what they want with their bodies. I agree. And also, the reason why I said good for the pimp nonsense being arrested is because that's bullshit. Pimps that's like usually slavery. don't treat their no. no their workers very well, and they also take like a big chunk of proceeds from them, and just yep. yeah, that's let the women just do what they want. Exactly. So the brothers built a brothel at 18, in 1890 at 45 East Mercury Street and named it for Joseph's wife, Del Delia. Delia? It's not Delilah? It's D-E-L-I-A. I would say Delia. Delia. Uh, Nidow, whose maiden name was Dumas. By the turn of the century in Butte, more discriminating clients would, vis would, uh, would visit three high-class... Why am I struggling so bad? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, clients would... Visit three high-class sex houses in Butte, the Hotel Victoria, the Windsor Hotel, and the Dumas Brothel, which was also known as the Dumas Hotel. Uh, so if you went to a hotel, it might not have been a hotel. It might have been for more than just sleeping. Right. 
Uh, the Demos brothel was and is a two-story brick building facing Mercury Street that was built in the Victorian style. There's a raised basement level that backs onto Venus Alley, and the upstairs has several large rooms and suites and a large open balcony with a bunch of skylights. Like, it's a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. That area was for the people with a lot of money who wanted to, you know, get a pretty lady who wasn't too old and had all of her limbs and eyes you know what i mean like just like a yeah like like if you go to a strip club you want to go on like a saturday night and not like on a tuesday afternoon um all the rich people would like go to like the the higher up areas like i kind of talked about the the higher stories and they'd be in a comfortable room. There's all the bells and whistles and accommodations that, like, rich people expected. Yeah. Politicians and wealthy businessmen would come to the Damas and would handpick the women that they wanted to be with. Uh, they would literally, like, I'll talk about this later, but, like, the, the women who would do services for those men would basically hang out in this lounge and the men would come in and they'd handpick whoever they wanted to spend time with. Interesting. From 1890 to 1942, uh-huh, the basement area, just wait till you see how long this actually operated. Uh, the basement area was reserved for the like blue-collar working dudes, like the miners, all that, and... Um, there it was like an ample sized basement where miners with which is m i n e r uh with less money could go and uh, enjoy their time with the quote not so pretty and quote older uh sex workers you know what's funny about that i bet you like by older they're like 25 probably how fucked is that? Super fucked. Like, yeah. I guess I'm ancient. Yep. Each of which worked out of a tiny cubicle that was just big enough for a bed, and that's why they called it a crib. Um, <laughs> there were 43 funny. cribs that were operational around the clock, 24-7, using three shifts of women to cover the demand during the busy weekends and on payday. As the miners were assigned one... Of the three shifts at the mines, it was just good business to kind of mirror what their shifts look like. Okay. Um, originally, a stairway led downstairs from the front sidewalk, and there was a door in the basement that would open up to the underground tunnels. Uh, these tunnels not only went to the Damas, but went all around town. Um, they went to other brothels and even to <coughs> City Hall. Oh, <laughs> there's also me, access That's from a so... back door of the Dumas that opened into the Pleasant Alley near the South Wyoming Street, which was the busiest section of Butte's red light area. So I think I'm just so frustrated about this is like the hypocrisy because it's like those people in City Hall are probably the ones that are like banned prostitution. Yep. Like you guys are the one that are giving him what? Yep. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. So. By 1900, the brothel was being run by Madame Grace McGinnis, her servant, a Chinese cook, and four oh sex workers. Oh my god, you're kidding me. That's who was in charge of this whole thing. There was only four sex workers. At the time, cost of sex in the brothel was 50 cents. The women were only allowed to keep 40% of their earnings, uh, but some received like tips from their clients, which made it a pretty lucrative business for some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that let them dress in really nice clothes. Uh, they appeared to just be anybody else around town when they were not at work. Um, one of these, uh, at the time, 
was a French sex worker named Sandra. It was thought that she was probably brought in illegally from Canada by the Night Owl brothers. Uh, she was a smaller, kind of petite woman who was incredibly popular with the men because she knew a lot of things um, that were not done by American women. Like what? I don't... Like yeah. sticking a finger up no, a bum or okay. something like Nothing that? Nothing was or actually like, explicitly explained okay. in any of my research. I'm very curious. <laughs> She was I feel like American women would be stingy, especially in that time. They probably would be like, I'll give you a blowjob, but I'm not going to let you do things like in. Never mind. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. I will let you guys use your imagination and I will stop being a weirdo. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> do you need another drink, maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm done with that one. Um. The authorities eventually caught on that Sandra was here illegally. They didn't care about the sex work. They cared that she was here illegally. Um, uh, before they, they basically they said, okay, we're going to raid this brothel to look for her. And, but police called ahead so that all the like politicians who were in there could get out first. Uh, Sandra also got this warning and went into hiding in this like refrigerator that they had there that was made for hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, the latch on the refrigerator was broken, so it was thought uh, that the door just like wouldn't open. Like if somebody tried that latch, it just wouldn't open. It was stuck. Uh, but the truth was that inside was fitted with a lock that could only be locked from the inside. So Sandra got in the refrigerator, locked it from the inside. Police would try to open the door, just like wouldn't open. So they'd be like, well, I guess, uh, I mean, there's probably nobody in there. And it seems like this is broken. So we're just going to move on. So Mm -hmm. she ends up never being caught, made a good living until she retired at guess what age? 80. 61. Oh, damn it. I should have said 69. I know. You fucked up. I did fuck up. Uh, Despite the large size of the brothel. Uh, Madame McGinnis only had five girls and a musician working for her by 1902. During that time, uh, the Dumas and other businesses like it uh, in the red light district were unusually lucrative ventures that were frequented by miners from the local Anaconda Copper Mining Company, which uh, the name of that mining company is the irony is not lost on me. Not at all. Um. In 1903, traffic grew to a point where the Dumas operations had to be expanded, so they had to build more uh, cribs in the basement. Even though the Dumas operated 24 hours a day with several girls taking three shifts, by 1910, there were only two women reported to actually be living there. So basically that meant that um, the women were living in their, like they had their own places and they were just commuting there, which is kind of cool, I think. Uh, in Butte, the activities of the city's sex workers were generally restricted to Gallon and Mercury Street. Uh, from the windows of the street facing the cribs, the girls would attract prospective clients in varying states of nudity. So they would, like, guys would just window shop, basically. Oh, um, this is giving me Amsterdam vibes. Very much. I know that because I've been to Amsterdam several times. She's never been out of the... You've never been out of the country. What TV show did you see that on, huh? I haven't seen any boobs (laughs) ever in my life. Never? Never. Not Um, even my own. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) 
The Dumas business and those like it were criticized by a number of people, obviously. That's no surprise. Uh, specifically, Reverend <laughs> William Beaterwolf. Beaterwolf? B-I-E-D-E-R-W-O-L-F. Biterwolf? Bitterwolf. Bitterwolf? I don't know. Condemned Butte as the lowest sinkhole of vice in the West. So he's like, this is the worst town ever. Um, he said that he saw, quote, enough legitimate vice in Butte to damn the soul of every young man and young woman in it. He held revival services for residents which attacked uh, basically anybody who was partaking in gambling or mm -hmm. sex work or any anything in there. Um... The opposite opinion was held by the uh, many local businesses, not just, you know, brothels, as they benefited alongside and even came to depend on the support of the sex workers at the Dumas and other brothels, uh, because, like, the workers would go and buy their dresses at local clothing shops, or they would go to the dry cleaners, and they would use Chinese herbalists who were looking to, like, help them get rid of, like, STDs or help them with birth control, like... Mm. That all these different businesses were being frequented by these sex workers. Like, back then, they weren't just, like, the lowest of the... Like, there's a certain... There was, like, more respect. Right. Like, they were actually contributing members of society. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, I mean... I don't know if saying, like, actual contributing members of society is, like accurate because i feel like most sex workers do put their money back into the economy i think they do what i'm saying is i feel like there's a stigma that like if you are a oh. sex worker working in a brothel then you're also like you're just basically trash and you don't do shit with your life uh, yes and, and much like people that take like um people who talk about like strippers and like yeah it's like no strippers and people that get like school and like make great money yeah, they make fucking bank exactly there, when i worked at hot topic my manager i don't know why the fuck she decided to be a manager at hot topic but she said that she made like two grand a night and i was just like personally in my opinion you're not a very attractive woman so if you get two thousand dollars a night fuck that's awesome yeah anyways i also was gonna say it's much like people that like get benefits from like like food assistance totally. or like medical assistance it's yeah. always that stigma of like oh well they're not working right they're not working hard but exactly. can i just drop a bombshell for people since i worked in <laughs> uh accepting benefits or not of people from a certain area of colorado uh a good chunk of people that are asking for benefits are uh 40 or older mm -hmm. interesting so very interesting it's i mean there are younger people but a very big part of the people that i saw cases for are the were... same demographic that just shun the shit out of that yeah 100 about how there shouldn't be any handouts and yep and they're like the the i mean i'd have to like get stats to like seriously prove it but like from my yeah. perspective it was very very one-sided of which generation was getting handouts yep interesting so that i just wanted to throw that out there yep um so five dollar quote fines were paid to the city government and police to make sure that these different businesses operations weren't uh fucked around with basically oh so they so paid bribes. off the cops yes yes nice. bribes 
We can the say cops fine, were probably but it's like, bribes. okay, cool. I'll come out here Friday and just get totally. some yep. free, not free service, yep, but like no 50 badge. cent service. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, instead of closing and relocating the red light district, the mayor and the police of Butte ordered that the women wear longer skirts and high necked blouses and that they, quote, refrain from indecent exposures. So they stand in the window and show their shoulders instead of their titties. Basically. Uh, by 1910, the people were petitioning the mayor to shut down the district, but the brothels ended up bringing so much revenue to the entire town in general that the petitions didn't get any kind of like ground they didn't yeah. get any ground like they just kind of died out much unlike the ghost tour right in picton indeed in 1913 the brothel was expanded again uh, one story structure was added to the building increasing the number of cribs by eight four of those opened directly onto pleasant alley by that time known as venus alley uh, copper prices ended up going up, and more than 14,000 miners in the city experienced a pay raise of 25 cents and a ton of extra money that was being pumped into Butte's economy. Uh, during that time, the Dumas experienced an upswing in patronage, obviously, in 1916. As a result of all of that added clientele, Brothel added five partitions and a staircase, and the ground floor, which was once like a parlor became partitioned into more cribs uh hmm. the onset of world war one and prohibition made local lawmakers start to like crack down on beach red light district and by 1917 the district was effectively closed uh, a bunch of signs were put up that said like if you're not under 20 or if you're under 21 you got to get out of here um it's such a weird age. I've always thought 21 was such a weird age for it them is to be like, weird. you can drink now. It is weird. And prior to this, <gasps> on the census, prostitution was considered a like a reportable job. And after that, they took it off the census. So I just found out something really weird. So don't – it just ignore that gasp. Anyways, I'll tell you later. Okay. Um, undeterred by all of this, the, the Dumas brothel remained in operation, did great. Uh, a woman named and I'm um, and uh, valet or valet? Would you say valet? Probably. V a l l e t. Maybe valet. I don't know, right? Uh, a woman named Anne Valet or Valet. I'm not sure how she pronounced it, uh, but it's exactly like the word for the the person who takes your car and parks it. Minus an L or add an L. Oh, is there only... Because there's only one Ellen Valet. Oh, That's why I was, I was thinking Valet. Then. Okay. A woman named Anne Valet began overseeing the Dumas for the Nidau family in 1925. And by the 1930s, operations had passed on to a woman named uh, who called herself Madame Rose Davis. In 1940, Lillian Walden and her husband Dick began running the brothel. And under that new management, the price of services went up to $2.00. 1942, the federal government ordered all open brothels in the U.S. to shut down. Uh, this was, they said that it was to protect the war effort. So they were saying that, like, okay, if all these guys are getting STDs, then they can't go fight the war. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. Sorry uh, your boy has syphilis, but yeah. he can still shoot a gun. Right. The underground passages that went from brothel to brothel and to City Hall and all that, those all got closed. And uh, all that remained of the whole alley that was, like, their red light district was uh, bricked off, basically. Um, the Dumas had to knock down that cheap addition in the back 
and the cribs in the basement got sealed as well and everything got left behind in there and was sealed off and basically created this like time capsule yeah but the first and second floors and the rooms that were in there were discreetly open for business still and everything basically just moved upstairs because it was like a little bit more hidden and harder for the cops to just come like barging in right clients of the brothel now called the dumas hotel would come to the front door and after they were like scurried away into some like side doors uh they were led inside to a parlor where a few available women would be seated and they could be handpicked basically kind of like they were before in addition doorbells were added and a code system was employed for use in dealing with troublesome guests or snitches or whatever that's kind of cool i think snitches yep 1950 lillian walden retired and the price for a woman at the brothel was uh raised again to five dollars and this is when Eleanor Knott took over running the Dumas. The Nidau family uh, sold it, basically, around that time. Not only managed the Dumas for a short, uh, a short period of time because she committed suicide Eek. in 1955 after her lover died of a heart attack. Uh, that story is kind of interesting. So in fe- on February 8th of uh, 1955, she had made a decision. She had been seeing this guy. Um, she was going to run away with him. He was married, but they decided that they were going to run away together, start a new life. He was a businessman in Butte, and so they had a plan. They She packed up all of her stuff. They were going to meet at this time, this day. Um, he never shows up. Hmm. The next morning, she was so sad. Uh, she was found in room 20 of the Dumas, dead of an overdose of sleeping pills and alcohol. Um Eek. Her life had been very financially rewarding, and she had a number of really, like, high-end stuff. She had a bunch of gold, diamond jewelry, a bunch of cash, a brand-new Cadillac convertible, and a brand-new Harley that she had just bought. So she was, like, rolling. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, none of these things were ever found or reported through her estate when she died. So that's kind of a mystery that I don't have any leads on. Yeah. After that, Bonita Farron was the next madam to take over the reins. Uh, She came on in 1955, and she stayed in charge until she died in 1969. Late 60s, several local police officers took the initiative to close the remaining three operating high-class sex houses, which were the uh, Hotel Victoria, the Windsor Hotel, and the Dumas. The Dumas didn't remain closed for all that long, and Madam Farron had it back up and running. In 1970... She had died, so the uh, Dumas was listed in the National Register of Historic Places as a Victorian brothel, an active house of prostitution, um, the oldest one at that point. In 1971, Ruby Garrett, who was a local resident of Butte for almost 30 years, purchased the Dumas. She ends up paying local police officers and officials 200 to 300 bucks a month in return for their not fucking with the place, basically. Hmm, Yeah. Under her... Uh, the cost of uh, services was 20 bucks. In 1981, she was charged with tax evasion, and she was convicted of federal tax evasion and served six months in prison in 1982. Soon after that, uh, the brothel was finally closed. Mm-hmm. So it went all the way until the 80s. Interesting. Isn't that wild? That is super wild. Um. Fast forward to March 17th of 19, not 19, of 
2012, uh, Ruby Garrett died at the age of 94 at the Crest Nursing Home in Butte. Uh, she was remembered as a kind woman in her later years, looked out for all the girls who had worked for her. Uh, worth noting, separately, she had served nine months of a four-year sentence for manslaughter. Eek. Back in 1960, before she even bought the place. That's um, troublesome. It was, it was basically a DV situation with her uh, husband, and she was over it. She had the shit beat out of her, walks into a card game that her husband was playing, and shot him five times. So nice. they tried to charge her with second-degree murder, but the jury... Uh, dropped it down to manslaughter and she served some time for that so yeah she's a badass is what i take from that yeah totally when the demos closed it was the longest operating brothel in the u.s having operated for 92 years long after prostitution was outlawed um garrett had to sell the demos because she couldn't pay her taxes on it sold it in 1989 to an antique dealer named rudy guycheck uh, on the condition that it was preserved and kept in its original state. He ends up turning it into a museum and operated it like that for most of the 90s, and then he had some financial difficulties, tried to sell the building in 98, um, and had like a lot of issues with that just because of like taxes and liens and stuff like that. Uh, the International Sex Worker Foundation for Art, Culture, and Education. I which, didn't even know that was a thing. Yep. Uh, there's no good way to, like, shorten that. So I'll just call it the ISWFACE. <laughs> it's shorter than than the full thing so uh they sought to reopen the dumas not just as a museum but as like a gallery and a convention center seems a little weird to me uh ellen Baumler from the national register of historic places wrote in support for the like res restoration the rescue of it um because it was she recognized that it was significant as like a historical venue being the last brothel and the longest running brothel uh, it was very rare mm -hmm. because it was so intact still god dang it because it was so intact still um and a lot of people were against that they didn't want it being restored they include like this included a lot of the former sex workers there they were like well, we're done with this it doesn't mm -hmm. need to be restored whatever um May of 2005, Rudy ends up closing it permanently. He was concerned that a collapsing back wall made it unsafe for tourists to walk through all the cribs and access the second floor of the bedrooms. Uh, he had attempted to sell the Dumas, like I said. He even tried to use eBay to sell it. Obviously. But again, because of like back taxes and liens, it was impossible to sell. So, um, Funny enough, the former Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders took on a fundraising campaign to help uh, restore and, and repair the Dumas. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, people working with the ISWFACE and had attended a fundraiser in Butte, uh, shared... I don't even want to say this. It, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I put it in there. Um, let's see. So basically this whole like debate over like do we just get rid of it do we make it into something else do we like restore it and make it a museum like yeah that's going on in like the 90s 2000s nobody can really figure out there's pros and cons the pros are like we're you know keeping up a, this huge piece of history that is basically 
a time capsule because so many parts were just sealed off the way that they were, that they were when the workers were still there. Yeah. Uh, the negatives were discussed as well um, from disease to women being beaten by pimps. Like that was a part of the history that people didn't want to believe or, or remember. Um, but ultimately, uh, Michael Piche, <laughs> P-I-C-H-E, uh, Michael Piche and Travis Eccleson, Eskelson, and uh, ended up buying the brothel in 2012. They planned on keeping it the way it was, but improving all the like structural issues. December of 2013, uh, the Urban Revitalization Agency considered a $92,000 loan request for repairs and to like shore up all the issues and some of the the debt that was incurred on the property. Um, even though it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places and operated as a museum, it was not kept up well and had some like serious repairs and like structural problems to it but mm-hmm. they did that and it is now safe and you can go tour it big museum also super duper haunted so no matter how well like sex workers are treated the life is not always going to be great right? Mm-hmm. Like right. in general there's enough stigma that it's going to be probably pretty shitty yeah uh, it's also very dangerous for women and their health and their safety. Uh, there's the risk of unwanted pregnancy, complications of an opium-induced abortion, which was the way that they did it back then. Yeah. Um, venereal disease or STDs or even being, like, beaten or murdered or, you know, any of those by just dudes that you don't know in an intimate space with you, right? Yeah. Um... One definite ghost is that of Eleanor Knott. Uh, she she was the one who uh, killed herself in room 20. Okay. Working girls of the DeMoss reported seeing the ghost of Eleanor with a suitcase in her hand walking the halls. That's fucking sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, many believe she's still searching for her lover. Her full-bodied apparition has been seen by uh, visitors as well as um, like a bunch of photos have been taken of her apparition all throughout the whole place. She seems to be a strong protective spirit of the building who encourages and leads others as well. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. There's also spirits of the women who worked on the upper floors. Um, they were the ones who would work with like kind of the higher class, richer clientele. Um, the women who worked in the basement uh, had more of a chance of running into shittier dudes who were not going to be as nice to them. Mm-hmm. You know, putting it lightly. <laughs> Uh, the remains of a blood-stained handprint can still be seen on an inner wall of one of the crib rooms, um, as well in the same room, a badly damaged door jam, so you can just let your minds guess what happened there. Eek. Uh, this was uncovered when they tore down all the, like, bricked-up spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extreme. I don't know if I even want to say this, but, like, it's it's considering those two things you can probably guess that somebody in there was injured and that's not great and not going to add to good energy i don't think right um several sex workers overdosed several committed suicide uh in 1917 a young sex worker named sarah worked there and she had a client named james who had every intention she had every intention of marrying him uh, James sent her a love letter, and she put it up on the wall. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, James was killed in a mine explosion the day after she received that letter, and she either accidentally overdosed or on purpose overdosed using an opium-based drug uh, that was often used by the women to medicate themselves or to cause abortions when they became mm. uh, pregnant. What's sad. After the 2013 renovations began, the Dumas was overrun with paranormal activity and reports of noise coming from the basement area Perhaps sounds that were would have been heard in a brothel. Uh, Sarah became very active as these uh, huge renovations uh, got underway. Possibly Sarah and other spirits were upset with all the new people and all the new workers who were in their space messing with the cribs and their leftover personal items that were all just blocked up in there. Paranormal investigators believe that something in her belongings had once been sealed and was now opened, which caused her to be more restless than some of the other spirits there. The new owners um, were terrified by this, by all the activity that they experienced, so they asked an investigation team from The Haunted Collector. Now, the guy who does The Haunted Collector, which is a show on Discovery+, Plus, I believe he is the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh! Yep. That's interesting. I don't interesting. remember what his name is. It, as soon as we're done with this, I'll remember it and I'll be pissed off about it. But uh, they asked him and his crew to come in and see what was causing all this activity that they're all of a sudden having. Um, that episode, if you want to see it, it aired on March 20th of 2013. And they reported uh, what they considered hard evidence that pointed to a sex worker, Sarah, as the most restless spirit by catching her on a couple of EVPs in her crib room. Uh, they knew that because they found the letter that was from her boyfriend oh. uh, that was still on display. And when they grabbed it, the bed shook and it was caught on camera. What? Team brought out a bottle of the opium medicine that they think she actually used to kill herself. Okay. Uh, and when they did that, the activity continued to increase until they took that all that from the building. No shit. Medication was never brought back inside the brothel, and Sarah seems to have moved into a very more or very uh, much more peaceful state. Oh, that's good. Yep. Male entities of the miners seem to like to relive their time in the basement. Uh, smoky mists have been seen, and disembodied voices have been heard on the first floor areas. During a tour, a latched door unlatched itself in front of an entire group of witnesses. Uh, there's often the smell of cigar smoke. That'll like come and go, usually on the first floor. Mm -hmm. The entity of Sandra, who was the French sex worker, uh, has touched people and held their hands. I don't know why they think it's her, but that's kind of the general consensus. Yeah. EVP was caught in uh, the madam's room by the haunted collector crew as well. One male entity has been caught on a photo by an investigator, and he was wearing a minor outfit, which included a bandana in the photo, which that's well, that's crazy. That's super crazy. Uh, a male and female entity were caught on camera near the basement door that led to the tunnels that would run through the whole red light district, and the male is standing on the right looking down at the female who seems to be wearing a large hat or has a bunch of hair. Um... When Rudy owned the building, three teenagers broke into the Dumas. Ugh. They grabbed some stuff from the antique photo shop because he had it as like a museum for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so they grabbed some stuff from that antique shop in one of the first floor parlors. And when they started to go back up the staircase to the second floor, they were stopped in their tracks by an avalanche of flying china dishes. 
oh scared God. them so bad that they turned the fuck around no and shit. ran out the back door and nobody knows what could have caused those dishes to fall out and uh keep them from from thieving so yeah that's the dumas brothel that's it it's very uh active that's scary isn't that wild uh do you want to know something even wilder yep if you go to ghost hunts usa you can stay there overnight no shit that's yeah. one of them that's one of them that's what i gasped about oh, earlier so you can go there awesome. there's three locations in butte you can go to the dumas brothel ghost hunt you can do the old montana prison ghost hunt or the old saint james hospital ghost hunt all of them sound extremely spooky and we should go stay there like a week and do all of them so i was thinking because they only do them on fridays and saturdays so if you do one friday do one saturday stay there and then do one the next friday next friday yep i'm really interested in that brothel and like the old saint james hospital activities sound just all over the place yeah that's very interesting thank you for that yep yeah good shit Super good shit. Do you have anything else for the good of the podcast? Um, no, I don't. Okay. Well, uh, we hope you join us next week for a true crime week. And you can find us on Instagram if you go on there. You go to our bio. There's a link tree that will take you to all the other ways that you can get hold of us. Um, if you don't have Instagram, you can find us on Gmail and just email us. Uh, that will be at whonewpodcast666 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Patreon. And if you do that, there's some perks, so. All the perks. Heck yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. There's nobody else in here to say bye. No, we kicked the dogs out earlier, because you probably hear, heard him crying. Crying and squeaking and pretending like it's food time and they have like an hour, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ready? Yeah. Bye!